may I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I wonder, has anyone read the book by Dan Brown, The Da Vinci Code? It's about 20 years old now. It caused all kinds of controversies at the time, to say the least. In the book, looking at sort of what's going on with Da Vinci, is there some kind of secret code? There's a reference to Father Martin Percy. He was my principal at Cudston when I was training for ordination and then later went on to be Dean of Christchurch Cathedral in Oxford. Once, in an obscure Italian magazine of all things, he, in an interview, he made the point and the quote, the Bible didn't come down from heaven on a fax machine. I repeat that, the Bible didn't come down from heaven on a fax machine. In an obscure magazine, Dan Brown picked up on that, that quote, and then included him in the book. The only real living person quoted or mentioned in the book was Martin. The Bible didn't come down from heaven on a fax machine. It wasn't written specifically by God, word for word, and then delivered here magically fully formed. Instead, it's the, word, it's the inspired word of God, humanity inspired to write these words as we try to understand something of God. Today, of course, is Bible Sunday, named partly after today's collect. Blessed Lord, you caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Caused, inspired, the scriptures to be written for us to know more about God. In fact, last week when I was preaching over at St. Gladys's, I considered what the epistle then meant when referring to the scriptures as being useful for our teaching. What scriptures, I asked? Because when the epistles were being written, the only scriptures, surely, were the Old Testament. The Old Testament, useful for our learning. In fact, we see that same theme in today's epistle from Romans. Whatever was written in former days, pointing out the Old Testament, was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Those Scriptures, the Old Testament, which was written for us to understand about God, that we may have hope, the realisation, no matter what, God does not give up on us. The Scriptures, including the Old Testament, written by humans, but inspired by God, to help us to understand more about God. The God who never gives up, no matter what. Even when the people of Israel turn away, keep turning away, Sin, keep sinning, keep doing stupid things. God is still there, waiting, inviting, knocking even, desperate for us to accept it, to invite him in. We see this too in today's Old Testament reading from Isaiah. Turn to me and be saved. I am God, 
There is no other. We hear God saying through the prophet Isaiah. We can read so much into those words. Turn to me, what does that mean? Surely that means people are turned away from God if God's saying, turn to me again. There is no other God. But if God's saying there is no other God, that suggests people were worshipping false idols again, thinking other things were God. God doesn't wash his hands of them though. Instead, invites them back, desperate for them to return. Turn to me, he says. I know you've been doing stupid things. I know you've been turning away. I know you've been worshipping all kinds of weird and wonderful stuff. But come back. I'm not giving up on you. No matter what they have done, no matter what we've done come to that, God does not give up on them. God does not give up on us. And of course, evidence of this is found in the fact that the incarnation happened. The fact that Jesus was born. We hear in John's Gospel, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Not God was so fed up with the world, but God so loved the world that Jesus was born to make it possible for us, fallen, sinful, messed up humanity as we are, to be reconciled with God. And so here we are with today's Gospel on Bible Sunday. Jesus was in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Jesus read from the Scriptures what we now know as the Old Testament, from the prophet Isaiah, in fact. Interestingly, though, he links two parts of Isaiah together as one. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I don't know about you, but I feel we hear this passage so often that we don't really take it in. We go, oh yeah, that's, that's Jesus' quote from Isaiah again. Yeah, that's good. Won't bother listening to the words. You know, we've heard this before. It's so familiar, but look at those words that Jesus said. Good news to the poor, release to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, freedom from oppression, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favour. Liberation, freedom, salvation, God's blessings. Things which God sent Jesus for. Because we are loved so much by God. Not, not just the great and the good, not just the perfect, but everyone. And then he carries on, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, it is revealed that I am the Messiah you have been waiting for, the Messiah of God. This is what the Old Testament Prophecies and all have been pointing towards God's love and forgiveness, salvation, redemption, being proclaimed, being shown, coming to fruition in Jesus Christ. Salvation, <coughs> reconciliation with God through Jesus. Not just for a select few, not just for the good, not just for those who have been in church all their lives, but even those who have turned away, even those who are struggling, 
even those who have never been, even those who have never heard of Jesus, or only know Jesus as being a swear word. I have been sent to them, says Jesus. And then surely, so have we, if we are trying to play our part in proclaiming God's kingdom. We too have to proclaim Jesus to those who do not yet know him, to those who have turned away from him, to those who think Jesus could never be bothered with someone like them because of their background, because of their baggage, because of what they've done or not done, or because of their history or anything else. So often it feels like the Bible is used by Christians to suggest that division and condemnation should happen for those who are different. Suggesting almost that Christians are a different caste who can't possibly associate with other people. I remember hearing stories of people who had become Christians and then, oh yeah, my whole life's been changed around because every evening I'm at a prayer group or a church event and I never associate with anyone outside the church. I never go to the pub or the football or chat to old friends. I'm only ever with Christians. I'm not quite sure that's what we're called to do because we see the complete opposite here. Jesus reaching out, proclaiming that he has been sent to the poor, the captive, the sick, the oppressed, the downtrodden, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favour. So many echoes of the Magnificat in this too. The world turned upside down. The norms of the world changed, transformed. Surely that is how we too should live. Learning from the scriptures, hearing, reading, marking, learning, inwardly digesting them, being changed by encountering Jesus through the scriptures and through the sacraments. Encountering God through the inspired word of God. Yes, created, written by humans, but inspired by God. It gives us a bit of a challenge though. How do we respond in proclaiming the same as Jesus? Because that means taking risks. That means investing in people, investing in the future, investing in those who are not here. It means putting our money where our mouth is, metaphorically and absolutely speaking. Recently, you may have noticed I got a, a little bit frustrated about how we use our resources, such as the church hall. Is such a thing a resource with which to bless this community? To welcome those who do not yet know Jesus, at no cost or expectation of them, when we put on church events to bless them, to proclaim that God loves them and that they are worth being loved by God. And this is distinct to renting it or running it as a for secular groups or even committed Christians meeting there for something come to that, if we are reaching out to those who do not yet know Jesus when we are specifically doing things to reach out in faith and love to our community, seeking to proclaim the gospel to them. Is that something we should be investing in or something we should be charging for? Is everything just about money in the church? 
or about proclamation of the gospel? It's a difficult question, I admit that, especially when we struggle financially and numbers-wise as a church. On the other hand, I put it to you, what other option do we have if we reflect upon the scriptures and upon Jesus' call on our lives? What other option is there? Let us pray. Blessed Lord, you caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Help us so to hear them, to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them that, through patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and forever hold fast the hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Saviour Jesus Christ, who is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.